0: tributes have been flowing in for Hamish Kilgour. Musician Nadia Reid wrote online, May you be in peace now, Hamish. And you might have a personal memory of The Clean. Maybe you saw them live. I'd love to hear from you. Text me, 2101. Pioneering New Zealand musician Hamish Kilgour has been found dead, police say. Hamish Kilgour co-founded The Clean, In the late 1970s, synonymous with what became known as the Dunedin Sound, founder of Flying Nun Records, Roger Shepard, told me just before the show, the news came as a big shock.
1: I've known Hamish since 1981. and Obviously, uh, you know, the claim were a really really important band to myself and to the development of the label Flying Nun. He, um, He was the first ever paid employee at Flying Nun and um you know hamish just became a friend a total friend uh i really enjoyed his company he, he always had something uh interesting to say and quite often he was quite on the money you know mm-hmm. i remember with him uh well, i think we was just having a general conversation about new zealand music and um he made the observation that uh you know, because even the, 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 before punk rock, everything uh, was all about being a good player and
2: yeah.
1: playing copies of music from overseas. But And this was going on despite, you know, the counterculture. Kind of and um, I remember mean, Hamish pointing out that uh, music didn't have to come from New York or, yeah. or London to be valid. And I know that personally, that kind of was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what's happening. We listen to our we're listening mm-hmm. to our own music, our own uh, you know, music that's hundred percent becomes from New Zealand. So he was kind of he was, you know, he had a, a bit of a toe in the old counter counterculture world, which you could detect with the odd word or um opinion or a uh, view of things, but he was kind of uh, energized by the whole like a lot of us were by the whole punk thing.
0: And there have been so many people posting tributes, haven't there? Uh, many, so many touched by him. And let's not forget the influence he had on local musicians, but also, you know, international bands—the likes of Pavement or Guided by Voices, Sonic Youth.
1: Yeah, the band—they really had a um, an international, um, you know, reach. I guess uh, kind of well-loved around the world and I think, um, you know, their the original uh, life here in New Zealand, they were, it was quite short, you know, two EPs, two singles and then they um, decided that it was all too much pressure and um, they uh, they gave it away and I remember we started flying and we had the conscious, uh, we made the conscious decision that, you know, this music was really important so, all through those years, through the 80s, uh, that we were selling, you know, the Chills or the Lanes or mm. shipping stock around the world, we, we, were, we always kept their, their records in, uh, in stock and, and pushed them. Because it, it gave context, it gave context for anyone uh, wanting to dig into what was happening in, in New Zealand music. Um, they could hear the, the current stuff, but it sort of, it all made a bit more sense um, if you uh, heard the clean as well.
0: Roger, is there is there a memory uh, over and above all the others that perhaps uh, comes to mind uh, right now of Hamish?
1: Um, well, it'd be a live a live music yeah. situation, and uh, it'd be the clean playing "Point That Thing," a song that you know they they sometimes it was short, and sometimes it was long, and. Uh, Long and, you know, just utterly amazing incredible and sort of, you know, an all out kind of situation. Yeah. It was a song I could ever, only ever play, depending on Hamish, Hamish's stamina on the night, to, uh, to be able to play the drums. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a situation like that, then playing in, yeah. I don't know, Staringata in Christchurch in
0: 1982. Roger Shepard, kia ora. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. That's Roger Shepard there, founder of Flying Nun Records. Uh, lovely to have Roger on the program. He said he was a bit upset to join us uh, live, so it's wonderful him taking time out for us. But uh, you know, Dean, uh, sorry, Dean, you're from Dunedin, and uh, that's so named. Dunedin sounds such a big part of the the fabric of the city, even still, huh?
3: Yeah, definitely, and and I think it's a good reminder of a lot of the amazing success that we've had in New Zealand with music. It's, you know, what is it that people often say, we stand on the shoulders of giants, and and I, I, you know, I just sort of, that that sort of came to mind, just all those, you know, counterculture movements and music and stuff like that. It's, you know, the success we have now, it's not just, obviously it helps, but it's not just about money, but it's about that, you know, that art and and having that source come in. That's very true, isn't it, Catherine?
4: Yeah, and I, I guess it brings up the whole um, other discussion that we 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 may get time to have yeah. around arts news, and that we only seem to tend to hear about our creatives when they die. And I think it's a great shame mm. that if we like, apparently Hamish went to New York and spent time there, where he influenced a, a generation of artists as, as well. So maybe if we had arts news, we could hear more about Hamish what he was doing when he's alive, and not just what happens when he's dead.
0: And on that, actually, Kia ora, Captain, on that, I'm Wallace. There used to be a program on Sunday night called Kaleidoscope. It was completely devoted to the arts. It was a fantastic programme. Arts and culture don't seem to matter in today's society. It doesn't pay enough or attract as much money. Sponsorship, perhaps, sport seems to be far more appealing to this government and business in general. We discussed that later on uh, in the programme in about 10 minutes' time. Uh, but uh, to this, uh, you're on the panel on RNZ National. We have Catherine Graham and Dean Hall with me. And just breaking in the last hour after months of striking it seems that fire and emergency nz and the new zealand professional firefighters union have come to an agreement that includes a 24% wage increase new zealand professional firefighters union national secretary wattie watson is on the line kiota wattie kiota 24% happy
5: Oh, absolutely. Not all of them get 24%, but uh, there is certainly was between 22 and 24% for the bulk of our members um, over three years back dated to 2021. So absolutely, we are happy. Uh, but it's not just about the numbers. It is about the um, other matters that we've really uh, campaigned hard in the public about, which is the safer systems to work, uh, better staffing levels, proper firefighter numbers, uh, encompassing the workers as well as processes to get uh, the trucks replaced and special appliances bought and to be fully maintained. We've also got some um, amazing health and welfare uh, um, um, programs underway hopefully soon including uh, blood testing for early detection of the aggressive uh, firefighter occupational cancers oh. and psycholo- uh, a psychological care pilot program as well.
0: Right, just turn your head just a little bit, Wadi, so you might be able to hear you clearly. Uh, this has been ongoing for quite some time, hasn't it? I I take the bus from work back home and I go past the Auckland Central Fire station and there were, um, you know, placards in the window saying, you know, something like understaffed, undervalued, underpaid. This has been quite the saga.
5: Absolutely. We started bargaining um, in June 2021 And uh, it was May this year that the membership uh, took the extraordinary and unprecedented step to vote for national strikes. And you saw two one-hour stoppages where uh, all of our membership across the country walked out uh, twice in August. Um, And you're quite right about the campaign. they have been at the stations, on the tracks, uh, in social media and mainstream media. The members have really uh, uh, put themselves out of their comfort zone to try and explain to the New Zealand public that these issues are, are dire and they weren't just affecting their health and safety, but they were affecting their response to the New Zealand community.
0: 24%. Uh, Catherine, let's bring uh, you in pretty significant there, but uh, it's, it's a very skilled sector, isn't it? And uh, uh, oh, a huge absolutely. amount of training, and uh, there's uh, the, some very good mahi.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you can pay our firefighters enough actually. My parents live in Waiuku and they still have a voluntary fire oh, yes. um, brigade and and um they have the I hear the siren going off, all, you know, not all the time, thank goodness, but often when I'm out there and it and it, and I think people in the cities forget that that we've got a lot of our firefighters are also volunteers and we rely on them to save lives. So I think I think they they can't get paid enough actually.
0: Stay there, Let's bring dean Hall i
3: oh, yeah, I think it 's a timely reminder as well that uh, we have you know the firefighters' union and the police association, but actually members of our military they uh, aren 't allowed to have um, a union or anything like that, and I often felt feel that they are really forgotten. In terms of representation around things like pay and stuff like that, uh, the idea is that we rely on the politicians to uh, to represent and make sure that they're compensated and looked after for health and safety. But so, yeah, it's just a shame sometimes. I think they uh, they get forgotten as well. Oh, that's I didn't know that. They, so they're not. There is no union. That's correct. Yep, it would be considered mutiny for uh, members of the military, which is probably a good idea um, to to not allow that. But yeah, they don't uh, they don't have representatives, so they they rely on the, the public. You know, they can't uh, go out and uh, campaign. So. Can I ask you, what? Because
0: uh, members of the public will know what does that twenty four percent increase what 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 does that mean in terms of a number? What would be a um, uh, the median wage now coming into um, being a professional firefighter?
5: Well, what it means is for the lower ranks that they're actually getting paid now well above the minimum wage. They were scraping on the minimum wage before. Uh, for the officer ranks, it now means they're being paid around the 90, 100 mark. And those officers have huge responsibility. They can have, you know, more than eight trucks at an incident. Uh, that's more than 24 firefighters uh, making quick decisions on the ground. Um, so that is, that is a big step for us. Uh, the Colgan, the Graham Colgan report. Uh, I'm not sure if you were aware that in August uh, the minister set up a process where Graham Colgan, an employment law specialist and actually former employment court judge, uh, looked into the issues in the bargaining and released a report that showed firefighters were significantly underpaid when compared to other roles within FEMS and compared to other firefighting roles outside of FEMS.
0: All right, so here we are. So after uh, a long, um, a long fight, long negotiations, um, this is happening: twenty-four uh, percent wage increase, just finally, Wadi, So, have members voted yet? Where do we go? Where do you go from here?
5: So um, we get on the road. <laughs> Actually, we get on the road no. on Thursday, and we do from Fungitada in the by the eighteenth, and we count the vote on the night of Sunday the eighteenth.
0: Good on you. Thanks, Waddy. Uh, that's Waddy Watson there, New Zealand Professional Firefighters Union National Secretary. Uh, that's uh, news uh, just breaking in the last hour. Uh, 24% wage increase after months of striking fire and emergency in NZ and the New Zealand Professional Firefighters Union, they've come to an agreement. It's 14 to 5, the panel on our NZ National. Well... It so often happens in Tamaki Makauru that there is a summer downpour. Waterways overflow and the central beaches are affected and become no-swim beaches. It's happened before. happened, uh, I think, last summer as well. You can see toilet paper and waste in the shrubs around Miola Creek, central Auckland, spills into the Waitamata Harbour. The central interceptor... Hope to change all that, and today the tunnel boring machine, Hiwa uh, Eterangi, will complete the crossing of the Monaco Harbour as it heads underground to build a large 147 k tunnel. Extraordinary, actually, so I thought I'd check in with Shane Kunas Shane is an engineer and Watercare Central Interceptor Executive Programme Director. Kia ora, Shane.
2: Afternoon, Wallace. How's it going?
0: Very well. This is quite a long tunnel, isn't it? You're an engineer. Is this a first for the country?
2: I think it's the first full harbour crossing where we're going from one side of the isthmus to the other. Huh. Uh, we've done some smaller smaller tunnels that have gone out into into the waterways, but nothing at this scale.
0: And the scale is pretty big.
2: Yes, it's a, it's a project that's big on global uh, standards as well. So... We've got an international team. We've got world-class tunnellers from around the world and the engineers and, and all sorts of skills and trades that come to help us deliver this iconic project to the people of Auckland. And uh, today was a fantastic day. We uh, finished the Manukau Harbour Crossing. Uh, it took just 11 weeks, uh, quicker than what we anticipated and done without incident. So it's been a, a great way to come to the end of this year. <laughs> now, Shane, for those who don't know what the
0: central interceptor is, is and you know, uh, it might come across as a little bit boring. The name of it for those who live in Auckland and for those who try and swim on that beach after a downpour, it's anything but boring. Explain it.
2: Uh, it it's it's a project that's been 10 years in the planning, it will actually take only six years to deliver, coming in at a cost of $1.2 billion. So it's massive infrastructure. It's a 4.5 meter diameter tunnel, it's there to capture combined stormwater and sewerage overflows when it rains. And as you say, at this time of year, if it rains, uh, we have a thing called safe swamp. Often a number of the beaches in and around uh, the Waitematah will be red flagged and uh, you can't go swimming without you know, the yeah. risk of getting unwell. And so this, this project is, is designed to capture those, take the, the flow down to Maangaree Wastewater Treatment Plant, where it will be highly treated before it's discharged. And you know, it provides for growth, it provides for resilience for ageing infrastructure. Uh, due to the scale of it, it's something that has to be well planned. It does take time. We're not due to complete it till mid-2026. But uh, today uh, is, uh, is a great milestone for this project. Well, it's been a very, very difficult two years, um, despite everything that's been thrown at us. We've made great progress, and it's a real testimony to the team that's working on it.
0: Stay there, Shane. Let's bring in our uh, panel. I know, Dean, you're now based, uh, or partly in Makoto, aren't you? But, Catherine, isn't that the story? <laughs> you, you look on the Safe school website. Oh, okay. So yeah, your Point Shivers out. Your Blockhouse Bay is out. It's, it's 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 actually, when you talk about water, it's pretty jolly woeful, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's, it's, or
4: it's Catherine? A- anything... Anything that helps improve our waterways is is a godsend, I think. And um, uh, you know, when you go down to the local beaches, like around Hoon Bay and, yeah. and and the inner city beaches, and you you see the signs up saying you can't swim, it's you know anything that makes a difference. Like the like this um, like this new, but with all the new housing that's going up and with all the, our aging infrastructure, I've been amazed that it's taken this long to have to get this done.
0: Shane.
2: Oh, uh, you know, uh, again, the the amount of effort that's gone into planning this to get it right, because the, the consequences of us not doing it well, I think it's uh, history as well, littered with projects that haven't gone well, we're, we're not going to do that, um, and as I say, it, it's been a challenge. Uh, Auckland's um, got some unique geology, so we've had to... Come up mm. with a tunnel route that will collect the the overflow points as well as uh, missing some of the more difficult geology uh, that exists underneath us. Um, and, and like I say, I think what we've got to focus on is the outcome. And that good things take time. And when we get to this, this will be a solution that lasts for a hundred years. So uh, I, I think mm-hmm. it's you know it's a great project to be involved. Are you
0: confident of that? Are you confident that this is this is one hundred year old infrastructure build?
2: Yep, absolutely. And that's we've got world-class designers. We've got, I would consider, the leading designer in the world working on the project for us, Jacobs. Um, And, you know, I think they bring that uh, global expertise to ensure that we do this right, we do it once, and we give the people of Auckland value for money.
3: All right. Dean? Oh well, I'm a massive nerd for vehicles, so just anything about tunnel boring machines has my interest. Uh, the the article on RNZ is really great to look at because it's got you know some some video on that.
0: The pics Pretty are good, fascinating eh? Fascinating stuff. Yeah,
3: really cool. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and no, I think it's cool that we're you know we're telling people a lot about it, and I still think it's amazing. Uh. Yeah, the technology and and how far they can actually go. I think was it 16 meters a day? Is that right? Fifteen minutes. Yeah, maybe.
2: that's that's. Uh, we've actually done a few days better than that. We've actually exceeded our targets uh, in this harbour crossing. So the wow. team has done particularly well. Um, but the, the the challenge is to keep that going for the rest of the journey mm. as we as we head in towards Grey Lynn.
0: Yeah, what is it yes, about tunnel boring that is so interesting? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it is so
0: interesting. <laughs> I, I, am with you. I'm with you. I want to know all about it's it. It's not actually. boring. Go. No, you no, no I, mean, no, I don't know whether the, you were deliberately the central doing central interceptor that, could be, but anyway, no. <laughs> um, go to rnz.co.nz and uh, check out the pics. And uh, it's it's actually pretty impressive there. I think it's four and a half meters across, uh, which is pretty big. Um, finally, Shane, uh, can you say to me, so to us and the listeners, particularly uh, Auckland listeners. Are we at the end of an era, within the next couple of years, where no more safe swim uh, flags, no more red flags, that our waterways going into your point share beaches or Hearn Bay or whatever, they'll be free of discharge. No more toilet paper clogging the
2: mangroves. I can never say never uh, again, but what I can say is that the amount of improvement that uh, this project and a few the the whole westernness, this projects that we're delivering, the number of overflows is significantly reduced, mm. far beyond what's happening now. That's um, the engineer in me. Um, on if I can say, but mm. but what we can say is that by and large. Um, you know the, the water quality will have a massive improvement and people will be able to enjoy the beautiful beaches around uh, the Waitamata.
0: Well, isn't that some good news this afternoon? It can only be. Shane, kia ora. That's Shane Kunis there, an engineer uh, and uh, part of the uh, Watercare Central Interceptor Program. In fact, he's the uh, executive director there. It's coming up to six to five, the panel. Were you ever a fan of this show? Making your way in the world today Takes everything you've got Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot Wouldn't you like to get away All those nights when you've got no lights The cheque is in it's the It's just mail. a nod really too. Kirsty Alley, who rose to fame in 87 in the role of Rebecca Howe on Cheers. She's died after a battle with cancer aged 71, also starred in Look Who's Talking. And, I mean, Catherine, you've been involved in screen development. Uh, You can't go past Cheers Cheers. for influence, huh?
4: No, absolutely. Cheers is one of those uh, American shows that everybody had a... um, had a favourite character, everybody remembered a scene from. That's right. um, Or, you know, could tell you a a Cheers story. And um, and in a way that I guess only friends since has kind of um, recaptured.
0: Very, very true. Only friends, perhaps, Dean. Ted Danson as Sam Malone, Shelley Long as Diane Chambers, Nicholas Colosante as coach Ernie Pantuso Dean,
3: did you ever see it? Uh, I did, but I was pretty young when Cheers was on, so you know, I have that kind of nostalgic memory, but it wasn 't really something I was, I was too young to really sort of get yeah. the storyline but i I remember Kelsey Grammer went on to fraser and and I think was there a series Wings that was like supposed to be a sort of sequel as well?
0: yeah, not sure, but a good point Catherine, made about uh, perhaps the only series that would challenge. Cheers is friends. Now finally I want to bring this up. This one comes up now and then and I thought I'd raise it. the arts need to get a slice of the sports blanket media coverage. According to Stats NZ, cultural activities are enjoyed as frequently as sport. But you wouldn't know it. Lana Hart asks, is an award winning Kapahaka group or an exciting new video game as newsworthy as a hamstring? injury so I thought that put it to you as an idea we've talked about sports earlier and rightfully so but around the panel on this Catherine what do you think if I if I said to you would you endorse say for example you've got the half past six and then coming into the sports news but then after the sports news before the weather you've got seven minutes of arts news what would you say
4: Oh, absolutely. And in our family, um, we don't um, separate sports and arts actually, because my mm. father, who's a sculptor, he was also a All Black. So we're quite used to wow. seeing sports and arts in the same bulletin. And I think that, um, that sport as, uh, the arts are really sexy actually there's lots of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that if we had a show like Call My Agent but it was based in an art gallery right. I think that we would actually have um, both a great reality show and we'd have great uh, we'd have great daily news because there are things happening that New Zealanders are doing all around the world every day in the arts
3: What do you reckon Dean?
4: I think we'd be spoilt for choice. Good
3: yeah I think um obviously, I mean i'm i I should say, you know making video games, obviously, I have an opinion on it. I, I do think it's important that we uh, that we make sure we're not just doing you know news for news sake and that we're actually sort of informing people. Uh, but I, I think it's really, really good. And I, I love all those news shows where you learn about something, whether it's, you know, what is the work like for people who are doing tunnel boring or, you know, a new form of painting or something like that. So I, I definitely support the idea. Um, yeah, because it's like Kiwis just get up to so much different stuff. Absolutely. what a way to end the show,
0: Catherine Graham. Dean Hall, kia ora to you, both. Thanks for being with us today.
4: Ra, thank thank you.
0: you. I'm Wallace Chapman. Checkpoint is next. I'm back 3.45 tomorrow. See you then.